Hey, Raising Rebels family, it is so good to be back and to be hearing from all of you from all over the world. I mean, United States, Belgium, Germany, Kuwait, I see you, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Italy, Morocco, all over the world. Um, The Raising Rebels community is growing and I'm so excited. Because you listen to Raising Rebels, um, and if you're new here, you'll know soon. I'm from the Bronx (laughs) and something that was true when you grew up in the Bronx and you're throwing a party or an event or doing anything is you need a street team. And those are the folks who go around and hand out flyers and tell other people to show up and like, just like on the ground, um, building your community. And I have an ax of you. I need you to join my street team, the Raising Rebel Street team, and to share this podcast. Um, every podcast app has a share tab or button. And so if you can take a minute, a moment, think of a favorite episode or something you think would be impactful to someone you know, and press that share button and share it with them. Even if you've shared it a thousand times, like one more might be the thing, because my goal um, with Raising Rebels, why I put it out in the world is because I really want to help liberate children, black and brown children in particular. Um, and I think us adults, grownups, talking with each other around the ways in which we are oppressive is the way to do that. And so um, when you get a minute, Please share Raising Rebels. I mean, five, I think five, five people is good. Five people is a good place to start and you can go as far as you want. Um, thank you again for listening and um, I hope you enjoy the show. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Gloria? Yes. Um, we live in Amsterdam now. Yes. And there's certain things you can't get here. Um, or it's like really expensive. And one of those things are, um, sweet cereals, including your favorite. Yes. It's because of the dye. Yeah. So, um, what do you think? How are you gonna, like, are you gonna give up the lucky charms? No. So what are you gonna do? Well, whenever we visit grandma or whenever grandma visits us, the I get one of my favorite things, Lucky Charms. It's a whole deal I have with Grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Stella fussing and fighting. I'm Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Um, each episode kind of features conversations between myself and other parents or just people who are invested in 
creating liberated spaces for children and also like conversations with my three children, um, Blue, Moxie, and Glory. And so today I am super excited to be joined by Noah Tucker. Um, I was thinking, I know that you're like, you're a chef and um, I was also like, I feel like like you're an orator. Because like you got this TED Talk situation that you like is like popping off now, and um and amongst and and many 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 other things. And I invited you on particularly. Well, say hi to the people first, Noah. What's up, y'all? I'm Noah. Um, pleasure to be here. And, Yay! Uh, I can't wait to have the convo. Yes. Um. And so I invited you on because I wanted to talk about food and um really thinking about like food as medicine and how we talk to our children about like food as a pathway or like a tool to liberation. Um, And I've got to hear you speak about food in many, many different ways. And anyway, so I was excited to have a conversation with you. I like to start the podcast with one question, like one word to describe how you're feeling right now. So how are you feeling right now, Noah? Um, Pretty satisfied. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm feeling, I gotta say, um, you know, I I said to you before you started recording, like your, your cadence and your voice is like reminding me of home. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a little nostalgic right now, I guess. I'm feeling a little like. That's dope. What's better than nostalgia? I feel like we undervalue it. So first tell us about yourself. Okay. So, um, My name is Noah Gitlitz Tucker. Um, I'm from New York, uh, born and raised uh, in Westchester. And um, I'm from a mixed heritage family. My mother's side is Jewish and my father's side is New York from down south. And uh, very iconic. So uh, like with all of the stereotypes to go with it. Right. Um, And all bundled up in New York. Uh, I was raised in a very open household very open community, um, very free thought, free thinking. Um, and uh, I was introduced to a lot of food and I always loved food. And later on in life, through a bunch of other experiences, I was in the military for a while. I lived in Japan, uh, Israel, across the world. And, uh, and But I was always a chef, always wanted to be one. And um, long story long, has led me out here in Amsterdam. And I've been out here for about 15 years now. Oh, and uh, like I got a- two babies, um, uh, Lou and Knox. Um, Lou is my little daughter. She's six. And uh, Knox is 10. And um, they were both born out here. So they actually don't know anything about the States, don't know anything about New York. Um, this is this is their bubble, right? Like we all have our own bubbles as we grow up. And uh, it was a very conscious decision. Uh, we left after Bush got elected. Uh, my partner, I, my wife and I, Nadej, she's also, she's from Brooklyn. She's uh, an artist, uh, creative director, but uh, uh, she's Dominican and Haitian. So the house is very full of culture and mixed. And um, yeah, we just trying to live and breathe. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh my gosh. Our stories are so like, I mean, of course, but similar. Um, I've been reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. Um, yep. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I just like yeah, started I mean, it this week. Um, and um, so I'm like really into love. And so I was think um, 
I guess my question for you is like, how do your children like show you love? How do they love on you? Hopefully unconditionally, but. Mm-hmm. But like, how do they, how do they show it? Like, uh, we're a physical family. Mm-hmm. We're a physical family. We, we touch and rub and, 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 and kiss and hug. And we're, we're very physical in that, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't write each other poems and we don't, Maybe do artwork. Uh, my daughter does a little bit of artwork, but I think that's also because she's six. You know, mm-hmm. that's all they be doing in school. But mm-hmm. um, I think we're way more physical, uh, or you know. So for us, it's like that. For me, growing up, it was like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I come from a very affectionate family, uh, you know, out outward, right? Mm-hmm. Um, still to this day with my father. Both my parents, luckily, is still here, uh, and we're, we're everybody's in in full communication. My mother actually lives out here. Uh, she's lived. I moved my mother out here. Um, so yeah, we're physical. We have, we, we physical peoples. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, like, do you, how do yours, you have three, right? So what's your, how do you, oh my gosh. Um, how do they, they like, we're very, we're also a very physical family. It's a lot of cuddling, a lot of touching. Um, my son often will like, just like come and kiss me, like, just like look me in the eye and like, give me a kiss. Um, there's a lot, yeah, a lot. It's interesting that like a lot of physical touching, but they show love in so many ways. I mean, they're always like checking on me. They do a lot of like, how are you doing mom? Do you need something? They do a lot of, we are artsy family. So I get a lot, like I'm getting songs written about me. I got like at least four paintings up in his house that were painted out of love for me. Um, and a lot of like sharing themselves is how they, I think they show me love. They share their thoughts, their fears, their like, their need. Like they just like, they feel they like, they let me know that I feel safe to them. And I feel that like is a way of showing love. We practice, we like, we practice love here. <laughs> like we're like, we're like actively, aggressively practicing um, love. So yeah, it is important. I like to start the podcast with a recollection. And the reason why I think it's important to do recollections is often when we're parenting, we think about who we are now and how we see things now from our like adult lens. And it's so helpful to really unpack who we were as children. Um, And also I like to do it as like out of respect for young people, like bringing them into the conversation and like, letting them know that they are centered and what we're talking about. And so when I was thinking about food, the absolute first thing that came to my mind is the like yummy. And anytime someone's like, um, we're going to go to a restaurant or we want to go, I want to go out to eat, or you want to try this thing. The first thing I was like, is it yummy? And like, not, yeah. Like, and I mean, and things can be, yeah. Like things can be, taste you know something to be taste what good and but yummy is like this particular thing that is just like it's like a soul thing like you feel it's like mm, it's like it just it, yeah it's back to that nostalgia um i'll tell you i'll tell you <laughs> and so um i asked you to think back as far as you could um on a memory or recollection of yummy. And it doesn't have to be necessarily food related. Like sometimes people can be yummy. I'll tell you Saturday. I'm going to tell you my my growing up Saturday morning. Go for it. Uh, 
of 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 breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. So I lived um, in the in the town I lived in in New Rochelle, which is like right above two forty first, right, the Bronx. So it's right there, and and on one I side, well. is, I know it well. I know it well. I know it well. I know it well. Word. So on one side is kind of like homes and, and residential or, or suburbs. And on the other side is the projects. So my dad's family lived in projects on one side of the hill and my mom's family lived in suburbs on the other side of the hill. And we, ironically enough, lived on the street on the top of the hill. Right. Wow. Right. Uh, wow. Um, so I wake up Saturday. This could be Saturday or Sunday morning. It really didn't matter because both of the families got down and it was big families that I was walking into. So I would wake up and I would go hit my grandmother's house, my grandma Roz, right? Little short Jewish woman. She's about 4'10". Uh, um, walk into the house. It'd be early, early too, like seven in the morning. And because I really lived just down the street. So I'll go over there and she would make me two sunny side eggs up, uh, a bagel with cream cheese locks, uh, everything bagel with cream cheese and locks, Right. Yeah, iconically, <laughs> iconically Jewish. Mind you, I'm Jewish, right? Like, yeah. I'm the whole nine, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, go down there, get my two sunny side up eggs, bagels, cream cheese, locks, glass of milk, glass of OJ. Boom, I'm off to the neighbors who live right next door, Jason Brown. So boom, over Jason's. Jason eats like real basic, boring breakfast, but it's also like little fig Newtons, funny shit like that, right? So like go smash his, go to the other neighbors next door, Mark Cutie. Mark Cutie is Italian, obviously. <laughs> feel me? Yes, I feel So I go over there. I have like this frittata tortilla thing, you know, they trying to give me the day would always let me have a little sip of coffee. It was like one of those families, right? Mm-hmm. No family lit. Now, after all that's over, I'm playing. It's about 11 o'clock. I head down to Grandma Tucker's house in the Jets because she's really cooking breakfast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would head down to the down to the crib, walk up onto the third floor, three B. Doors obviously unlocked. Smells like smells like soul food with a little cigarettes, couple different oils, mm. uh, uh, you know, some of that good sweat smell, um, and a whole bunch of just like lotion. I don't know how to explain it, but like, mm-hmm. like air products, right? Walk in, table full of food, fried chicken, greens, you name it, right? It's there. It's, it's packed. Table's like, rah. and uh, there must be like 20 people in the house. Like literally, nobody's eating yet. You can't eat. No one touching the food, but there's easily 20 people in the crib. Everybody's loud. Everybody's live. There's music going on. Not a lot of people are sitting down. Most people are standing up, you know? Uh, all the windows is open because you know the heat is free in the jets from from <laughs> from <laughs> so the heat is on grandma in the kitchen bra on mm-hmm. with a thing over there it's all fam dinner starts we leave there at like three everybody is full to the brim I don't heard like my father's calling me right now as I'm telling the story I love That's it hilarious. I love it well, the first thing that yeah so when I I think about it for myself when I get the recollection. And the thing that came to mind to me, like hit like right away, was the corner store. Bodega. Mm. We called it the corner store. I grew up on 219th Street in the Bronx, represent. 
um, walk right up to the corner store. And when you go in the corner store, right, every so often, something happened in like the late 80s where Hostess came out with like a new line of like stuff, like snacks. I don't know what happened, but they just like, they got it. And they came yeah. out with these little chocolate cakes that had like, they were like two loaves of chocolate cake. They had like this chocolate fudge in the middle and like a chocolate icing on top. I think it cost like 50 cents. Maybe it was 50 cents or it might have been 75 cents because it, it was a little extra. It was a little more than you like you you were used to spending at the corner store. There was two of them. You know, they, I, I know can't what you're remember. Talking about. And th- listen, I can't tell you the name of it right now, but I promise you, I have seen it since and it may, I look at it and I'm like, I can't eat that. But at the time, it's I would like go in there. Yes, it was like chocolate, but and it just like I saw, I remember when I saw it, and it was always moist. I don't know how they did that, but it was always moist. And I would um go in the corner store, and if they had it, and I had my fifty cents, or when I went to seventy five cents, if I had seventy five cents, I would get it. And I had two, so I usually probably would give one to my little sister. My mom's. I was raised a vegetarian. Um, as a kid. wow, wow, yeah, so wow. super ahead of it. Like she was really on it. Mm-hmm. But on the same note, like when I went to lunch, I went to public school. When I went to public school, she would pack me like a whole grain sandwich with mustard, cheddar, and sprouts. Like it wasn't to move back then. <laughs> and at all. And and my friends would feel so bad for me, they would break me off like a piece of their sandwich. Because in public school, all you got was milk. Like, that's what you was getting. You get a milk. Like, you want mm-hmm. chocolate or normal milk. The rest, mm-hmm. my guy, is on you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. definitely no hot lunch. Um, mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. shit didn't happen until, like, junior high school. Mm-hmm. And I lived right behind the school. So, it was fun. The, the memories of kids in there, like, growing up, mine was, it was horrible. It was fucking horrible. Like, it was crazy. You know, now it's, it's like you go to a, a vegan spot and you pay for that silly shit. Mm-hmm. But... When you're eight, that's not the look. <laughs> you know, I can't like, wait. I can't wait. So here we go. We're gonna get into because I cannot wait to hear about what you're doing with your children around food. So right. um yeah, so the thing about that is like love language in my house for sure. I mean I cook yeah. almost every night. I mean, we we cook, cook. I try to cook. I try well, to I, really I, break. I want to understand all of it. I want to understand all of it. I want I want to understand all of it. So, like, how did you go? You, I mean, obviously, you've always had a love for food. How did then you be like become the chef? And also, part of like your your specialty and like what I know about what you do is thinking about cannabis and thinking about food in all different kinds of like creative medicinal yeah. ways. And so, like, how did that happen from the sprout sandwiches? So- so you have having spout sandwiches. And it kind of, I guess, reverse engineered itself. I was like, yo, I need to learn how to cook. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. So I think growing up, always wanted to cook. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, took cooking classes at like Tavern on the Green when I was like 10. Um, really wanted to, knew I wanted to do it. Took it very serious. Uh, I was in the military for five years, four years, five years, but I ended up cooking in Japan because of that. Uh, went to culinary school, um, kind of kept my head down, stayed in Michelin restaurants pretty much my whole career until I came out here, mm-hmm. uh, from 
whatever, uh, Oceana, Jean George, Danielle, you name it, Michael Meenan, and Cal. Like I tried to really like learn my shit, learn my craft, mm-hmm. and not fuck around. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in the back of my brain, also having this very like healthy memory of food, and I don't mean just like in abundance memory. I mean like literally cooking healthy, being healthy, mm-hmm. uh, understanding that it's it's about uh, uh, you know really feeding yourself and not just getting off on it. So finding mm-hmm. this mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also not craving this, this decadent world of food, but making sure that I knew it because it's a cheat sheet to culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. if I sit in a room with you and I can tell you why a Pinot Grigio is a Pinot Grigio and the characteristics of it, I, I get, there's a different, Absolutely. Now we talking different, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you how foie gras is made, or I can tell you how long it takes to grow a cauliflower, or in the soil, or the terroir of a wine. It's just info, and because food is so important to us as humans, mm-hmm. if you're really knowledgeable about it, you get to kind of, I don't know, jump classes in a strange way. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I think that was a very good. I'm in. I'm in. I'm not a scholar. I never went to college. I went to a trade school. I went to Culinary Institute. I also have an accounting degree, but that was like on my own accord that I wanted because I knew I was going to open a business. Um, but I, I didn't do like a four-year program, that kind of thing. So for me, it was very like, if this is what I love, if this is what I know, get involved, be involved, learn it. And don't learn it mm-hmm. just from like, I know caviar, lobster, and truffles go together well, but like, learn about it. Learn what mm-hmm. genius truffles are in, learn how long it takes for a lobster to grow, mm-hmm. learn the process of caviar, whatever it takes, but learn it and don't be too, you know, make sure you're humble enough to learn it and always be a student. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder how your, like, so all of that, all of your understanding of food, all of your understanding of like the importance of understanding food, like the thing you said about learning, not just like what goes good together, but understanding how it, like how to nurture it, how it grows, how it develops as being part of it. How has what you know about food impacted how you feed your children and your family? Tremendously. So one, we don't do, they've never had McDonald's. They've, they, they, um, I think they've had Burger King once. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we were on like some random road trip, you know, kind of thing, but we don't really do fast food, mm-hmm. uh, almost. At all. So that's mm-hmm. out, which was a huge part of my upbringing. We're McDonald's mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've tried to expose them to as many different palettes of food as I possibly can at a very young age. So, you know, whether it's Southeast Asia, whether it's Japanese, whether it's uh, a Baltic, <laughs> whether it's African or Caribbean mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you know, Central South American, we, I really try to uh, test their palate and push their palate and really help them understand, um, I guess, just like the value of having knowledge about food. Mm-hmm. And about, mm-hmm. and therefore, about someone's culture. So mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. My son, he just turned 10 last week. And I, we were like, what's your favorite food? And he was like, I like pizza and pasta. Pretty basic answer. Mm-hmm. And we were like, okay, dope. Let's go to Naples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we went to Naples for the week. 
Mm-hmm. And we tested a bunch of different pizzas. Why it makes it good. Mm-hmm. We went to an old pizza shop. We made pizza. We made pasta. We spoke about it, where pasta came from, from mm-hmm. China. So it became a discussion. And even something that has, you know, I mean, how much value does pizza and pasta have? Not, It's not really that crazy. But you can make it into something. You can make it important. You can make it a learning lesson, a learning moment. And, uh, and then also get a trip in like, yo, this is where this comes from. Like it has a place, mm-hmm. it has a home, it has mm-hmm. an identity. People are addicted to this. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Naples, now he's been there before he doesn't remember. And this had a very like significant reason that he started to see like, holy shit, this whole city is addicted to pizza and this one type. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? It became a thing. So yeah. now anytime he you know, eats a pizza, he knows, oh shit, pizza, this type is from Naples. Mm-hmm. And everybody eats it, and I like it this way, and this is why I like it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then that expands to Japanese food, or mm-hmm. right, you know, that kind of thing. So I think there's, there's, um, for me, there's always a lesson in the food we eat, the way we eat it, why we eat it. Um, you know, we literally just got back from Italy too, and um, there's this way that um, travel. And food and culture and how it kind of um, creates this constellation of understanding about something that you can't you can't get otherwise. Like anything individual by itself doesn't, but like all of those things together, um, and then you lay language on top of it and like all of it. It's like you're making me think about all of that. What do you Word. find? Yeah, what do you find challenging about feeding your children? Um, almost like my own patience, like what I want them to like and enjoy. They're just not there yet. Um, and I want it to become a a regular thing in our diet. And it's not because it's like, they're six, he's 10, like, you know, that kind of thing. I also think, um, trying not to make it backfire and cook so, so healthy that then for they, they stay away from healthy food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like whatever you mm-hmm. give too much is what they stay away from. Whatever you give too little is what they crave, right? Like mm-hmm. there's always that balance. So mm-hmm. if you don't give them any sugar, they're going to turn 15 and they're going to like go crazy. Mm-hmm. There's this level of introducing, but not overindulging, but then still educating and letting them understand like, they know what sugar does to you. That shit causes yeah. cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to not tell them that. Mm-hmm. Like understand mm-hmm. the harm. Mm-hmm. But like be conscious of your, your intake. Mm-hmm. You know, like start. I got that very early, right? Like I think about every single thing I put in my mouth. There's never an unconscious bite of when I'm drinking or eating something. I understand it's a full like acceptance. Um, so whether it's fast food or, you know, you know, steamed broccoli. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there needs to be like a full consciousness, and that's maybe what I'm trying to help them grow or cultivate. Is this like continuous consciousness about what they are taking into their body? And it doesn't mean that it has to be the healthiest. I just want them to be conscious about it. It's so hard. I mean, it's what makes parenting so hard. It's like you don't know. I always don't say it's like, you don't know. And it's like this job that you're working so hard at and you know, you're feeling like, you're, you're like I'm doing my very, very best. And you're like, and I'm gonna fuck this up. And so what ends up happening 
is this like self-consciousness like how i know what i want the results to be and, and like, wait and sometimes i'm not doing my very best well and i need to be okay too. with that shit too that's true too that's 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 true too that's true too right? but this like the yeah. veil of, of i'm trying my hardest it's like that's bullshit no you're not yeah. <laughs> you find, no you're not you find it a good medium and I mean, it I think, what I want to say about this, like I'm not talking about in a moment, I'm talking about overall for the most part. Word. I think, like, yes, yes, you yes, know yes. what I'm saying? But like, exactly. I get what you're saying. Definitely, no, nah, I definitely, definitely, at, like, I had a moment like that last night. Like, there's moments, absolutely. But like, you're trying very best and you're, you don't know if what you're trying to cultivate, you're actually um, oh, I'm it, having a. But that's not good for them. Dairy, sugar, da da da. But it's like the nostalgic point, the dopamine drop is great for them. The adrenaline that they get, it's all healthy. But it's like the memory, the moment that has value. And I think also what you're saying is like what I guess what, what you're saying. What I was thinking about is like how important it is to be present, and that idea of where they're really learning how to eat is from being in space with you more than what you're telling them you know it's like what you like you say you cook every night like they are learning and they are absorbing what is real versus the kind of i, I mean i had yeah my oldest is 16 and my youngest is 10 and so like i'm on the flip of you and you're like i'm, oh, I'm towards the, the end of the child and with the with the oldest too we had this i I, I'm all, I like, I figured, I was like, I have to figure out how to manage their sugar intake. That doesn't look like me fucking losing my shit every five seconds. And so I said to them, I was like, you know, you can have one sweet a day. Like you just have to manage like, one is it going to be our dessert for the night? Like you might want to wake up and like have something that's cool, cool, cool that you get to decide to do it. It was really, it was kind of like, it was nice because I didn't have to be on top of every little thing, but also there was like a consciousness, like what I wanted to raise, like a, an awareness. And then we get to have conversations. Sure. Well, is the pancake sugar too? Does that count as dessert? You know, like all of the things and like, we just get to, we get to engage in it. Like there's no yes or no. And it's just like, we just get to engage in it. Then I had my youngest, which is like, you know, just like the, the universe says, you know, you, you, were, you know, you practice, you thought you got this. Let me like the, who was not having <laughs> none of that shit. Like not, you know, like just like a different human being, any kind of boundary or restraints become like, it's time battle. to battle. Oh, you, yes. It's like, <laughs> you might, you might know that. But I was ready for that battle. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like, yeah, but I, w I was not. <laughs> I was tired. I shut shit down. Yeah. Nah, I get nah, very nah. old school. Well, I, my I was, father is very old school. And I like, I tend to take some of that and leave. Yeah. A healthy amount because it's it was too heavy um but like there's no uh with kids i don't do like we're equal like yo i'm your father well i do not i am we are equal so i had already established yeah. that in my way of like living in the world with them word, word. and then like i said the universe was like now let's like like let's let's see you know you about this liberation shit you about this children you about this, this you about this or, life yeah, you about this life? Let me like, let me show you. So with with the youngest, yeah, that was not happening. It was a battle. It was like a constant battle, and so Sorry. really forced, you know, more. I had to like reevaluate how I engage around this conversation because it had gotten mm. to a point where our relationship was going to be 
on many different things, not just food, but it was like, either we're just going to have this relationship that's going to be contentious forever, or I'm going to have to like, just trust and let go and like, just engage in ways that have like, feel good. And I think, I don't know, you know, the proof will be in, like, I don't, I don't know what all will be. Hopefully, you know, you know, she'll have her own teeth as an adult. Like, you know, that's my hope. Um, but there's a way that her relationship with food, um, what, how do I describe it? It's really, she has a palate. Whenever we go out, not, yeah, kind of whenever we go out to eat at a restaurant, you order the same thing. Steak. Yes. And I... But sometimes um, steak's not there, Mamba. Sometimes steak is not there. there, But if steak is there, you order a steak. I do. Or ribs. Sometimes ribs are nice. Can you tell me what this is all about? I love steak. And you don't cook it enough. Okay. So whenever you go to a restaurant, you order a steak. Um, Are they always... Is it always good? Like, how do you like it? It is always good. I like it medium. Like... I don't like it well done. Mm-hmm. I like it medium rare. I think that's what's called. Yeah, medium rare. You like it medium rare? What's medium rare? I think medium rare is like bloody. Like, think, like think, medium, medium rare. Medium. I think you like it medium well. Yes. That's it. Not overcooked, but not yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, I don't like it overcooked. Overcooked is just burnt meat. I like it still flabby. Meaty. Like she knows what she likes. Everything is like she says. Like she likes. She likes ice pops. She's very serious about ice pops. And she and like so we had this like you can only have one sweet a day. And she's like, this ice pop is my pleasure ice pop. This one is for my pleasure. And like the other one is the dessert. And, and like you have to engage with her. And it's like this kind of thing is like, yeah, like I might have an edible right now, like because I need the pleasure of it. But that's not like dessert. That's just trying to help me. And it's this kind of thing. It's like it's a, it's definitely a mindfuck, but it, it also um, it helps me think deeper about it. And also the ways in which they're different than me. And also and I, it's not the ice pop forever, right? It's going to no, be something. Important. So it's your, are you cultivating the idea or the actual item? Listen, exactly, exactly. And that idea that you have time, that this, this like that, that you want to, we live in this moment and like, there will be so many other moments and we're trying to build something over a period of time, yeah, which is your relationship with food. Pleasure. You're doing this for pleasure, which is a mm-hmm. very much deeper construct than the ice pop. Absolutely. And her understand her ability to articulate that and understand that is why it's hard. <laughs> it's, why, it's why we're having different conversations that are hard. We're good. We're really good. I'm wondering how are your children's like relate like how they relate to food different than how you relate to food. So my daughter is very similar to me. She mm-hmm. eats a ton. She eats everything. I mean, she's six. Her favorite food is is sushi. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like about that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. She's so thorough. She has a better palate than me, if I'm going to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. well, I'll make dinner. And she's, she constantly sits there and watches me cook. She pulls a stool up. We talk. She like She's in it. Um, she will literally tell me, like, that needs more salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Like she is on it. And I try to give her as much freedom to express what she thinks is tasty and what's right. And when the food is ready to eat. So Mm -hmm. she's very similar and she'll eat all day with me. She'll eat anything with me at any time. She don't care. She's, she's like a ride or die. Mm -hmm. So, and I already know now later on in life, she will be my go out and do a tasting menu buddy. Okay. Okay. Um, Right. Which the beautiful thing about that. parenting is the beautiful thing about parenting that nobody knows is like you're actually if you do it if you like are willing to shift the the dichotomy of what we're used to you're actually cultivating your community like you're you get to like help cultivate the folks you right. get to like hang with and like build with it's it's lovely I love that yes go ahead absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. now my son who is a little more similar to my wife Nadej mm-hmm. um. They're very particular mm-hmm. and they really only like certain things with certain things. Now, not still eats everything, right? Mexican, Indian, da-da, he'll smash Indian food, mm-hmm. Caribbean, eat, like he'll, he'll eat the gamut, but it's also very particular and he likes spicy food. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are all things that we've worked on. So like also with my fear, like when I was young, I didn't eat spicy food even until later in life. So I got him on spicy food mad early. Mm. I'm like, yo, that's a handicap. That shit was a handicap to me. Like, I would. <laughs> I can imagine. Right? I mean, and it, I, like, I would, like, my whole body would fall apart because I ate something spicy when I was a teenager. Now I can eat spicy food. Mm-hmm. But it was really, and that was even worked on. But, and I was like, nah, we're not doing this. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. Um, so mm-hmm. he automatically enjoys spicy food. My daughter can eat spicy food. You know what I'm saying? Um, so just interesting. I, I think I think I try to I try to um I definitely don't try. I definitely force food onto them, mm-hmm. but I also try to make sure that I don't turn them off of food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like that fine balance of like, yo, we're eating asparagus tonight and we're eating Brussels sprouts and we're mm-hmm. eating like all of these very like cliche things that kids are like, Ugh! right? But I'm like, chill there's a soy sauce thing on it or there's a butter sauce on it. Like things that I know that they're going to inherently want to eat mm-hmm. because of a flavor. It's like, well, then your memory will be grilled asparagus with garlic and butter sauce on it. So you can't mm-hmm. not like this. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of cheat sheet shit that I do. Yeah. Um, I also want them to know that shopping for your food, cooking your food, that is normal. I do not, we don't do uh, uh, Uber um, gorillas. Um, don't, I feel like you're judging me right now. That's not necessary. Like you could just like, right. you know. We know, we know everybody <laughs> does it. Cause I was saying to you is like, what is the, like, so what do you want them to know about food? You said freedom, right? Uh, yeah, I want them. That's the end of it. Actually. I want them yeah. to make sure that they have freedom of choice when it comes to food and culture doesn't dictate what they can and cannot eat and what they find mm-hmm. uncomfortable or norm. Um, thank you, Noah, so much for talking with me. Um, do you have any questions for me? I do. Okay. Um, I think, and I'll make it a quick one. This doesn't have I to think, be, but go ahead. Oh, okay. So I don't know a tremendous amount of, about you, but I feel like we'll catch up on another date and actually just, just for chill. For sure, for sure. Um, but more importantly, 
you know, with your children and now you not being in New York at all and kind mm-hmm. of, and I guess living out here on a permanent base, mm-hmm. um, how do you find yourself in conflict of, I would take being first generation American, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then leaving, it's just like my wife. She's first mm-hmm. generation from DR and then left and they're first generation here mm-hmm. of like how much of the culture that you're, that you have in you, this Jamaican, New York, global, and now mm-hmm. your kids are in a very different space, I would take it. Mm-hmm. How much of it, when it comes to food, do you feel like you need to pass on? And on the back end of like, that they need to kind of just experience because it's not cultural anymore. Because we're in here. We're not in America, in the Bronx. And the That's chopped so cheese good. doesn't mean shit. That's so true. Um, when we... Similar to you, part of, you know, you left, you guys left before you had kids. But like when Bush got elected, we decided to leave when Trump got elected. Like we're like, we got to leave and um, made a plan. The whole there's, you know, how we ended up here is um, an interesting story. But we ended up here that same kind of way. And before one of the things we had tried before here was before Trump got elected, we had considered moving to Jamaica. Like that kind of this, that kind of like romanticizing what it would be to like live back in Jamaica with our kids. We wanted to grow up with the culture, all these things and got there really quickly, stayed there for like six months and realized I can't raise. Um, I was not going to be raising my three children in this like the way patriarchy, misogyny, homophobia shows up there. It's everywhere. It's in the U.S. It's in Amsterdam. It's everywhere. It's like, everywhere. It's everywhere, but the particular ways that it, it, it manifested itself there yeah. was more than I could hold. Similar to the particular ways that it manifests in the U.S., racism, all of that shit was more than I can handle. So I ended up here. Um, and right. so, but there was this desire and need to like the culture, like, you know, how do I share the culture and like the things that are important to us, acting and sausage for breakfast, you know, fucking <laughs> like. Um, ox- like all Daddy. the food that is part of like who we are. So you don't and go I- with beef patties. Yes, like, beef patties. Um, and I will say that my children are very fortunate in that they do have all those experiences. Like they go to Jamaica every year. They've traveled the world. Like they literally have traveled the entire world. They know the Bronx. They know Brooklyn. They grew up in Brooklyn. You know, like they spent a lot of their lives in Brooklyn. So they've had all of these touch points. And so when we meet people now, they're always like, so where are you guys from? There's always this hesitation that they have when they're just like, well, do you want me to tell you my whole story? Do you want me like, do you want to hear? Yeah. Do you want to hear about all of it? And for me and my own like, like evolution towards liberation, I have become really post- borders you know what i'm saying like i the more i live here too the more i'm just like this idea of boundaries and like what like being proud like how much of being proud of being jamaican detracts from my ability to like feel connected to haitians do you know what i mean like where 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 does that line become problematic and it gets there really quick (laughs) you know what i mean like any kind of supremacy any kind of supremacy, you will get to it really, really, really quick. And so and how much am I going to I'm, pass on? Exactly. Exactly. And like, how do you pass on what you feel is the pride 
without passing on the supremacy. And so in all of that, I kind of like, you know, my my approach to parenting is like do no harm. And I'm a strong, I mean, as a, my approach is a lot of things. But one of the things is, as I, I really do believe that my children have all the tools. Like they came with all the tools. You know what I mean? They came with all of the, the tools and less is more. Less is more. And my job is to like hold space and like help them navigate it. I really do believe like I before, like maybe two years ago, I would think I couldn't like exactly what you're saying. Like, how am I going to leave the house without my phone so I can catch an Uber if something goes wrong? Or you can't just drop me in the middle of nowhere. Like, how am I going to figure out how to get back to where I need to be? And I realized my kids, they can you could drop them in the middle of wilderness. They'll figure their shit out. Like they are more in touch with their instincts and their sense of like smell and hearing and taste than I ever was at their age because of how we we move. And and knowing that, I realized they're they're like do less. No, <laughs> like do my message myself like do less, do less, do less, do less. Um, because I want them to stay in touch with that. And so to answer your question and what that's developed in me and like, what do I want to pass on them being here is like, I guess I'm less invested in passing anything on. I feel you. And I don't right want to feel guilty about that. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm less, I'm actually like not really that invested in that shit at all. I feel like, you know, um, and which is crazy to me, this is like a new development. Like, this is very new, but yep. I think like they're of the world. They're of the world. And yeah, they're of the world and I'm of the world. And yes, Word. I'm very proud of like when someone mentions Jamaica or like the, the idea that I understand that culture and the currency of that culture feels good to me. And there's no supremacy in that. Like at least I'm trying to remove the supremacy in that. And so, yeah, I'm less invested in any of it. I want them to like, like with the yeah, like I'm I'm so much more curious about where they're gonna be, where they're where who they're gonna be, what they like I'm the future. I'm really, really interested in the future. Thank you so much again. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Stand up fussing and fighting. Raising Rebels is produced by Queer Media, a family production company specializing in audio and visual art through a black queer lens. This was edited by Marcelino Van Callias at La Femme Productions. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Raising Rebels Pod or email us at RaisingRebels at QueerMedia.co.y. Thank you for listening to Raising Rebels. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.